Good morning and welcome again. We're glad that you're here today. This is our great day. We have a number of visitors with us and we want you to know that we are so glad that you've come our way. We're going to be having a luncheon immediately following our service this morning. We'd love to have you stay and be a guest. There's plenty of food and so we would love for you to stay, enjoy a period of fellowship with us. Very grateful for all the folks that have come out today. We are extremely grateful to have Jared Jackson and his wife with us today. They live in Jackson, Tennessee, and he works with Christian Courier and does a great job managing that work. This year, they're going to have about 4 million users downloading about 6 million articles. Christian Courier is a tremendous resource for learning. A lot of folks have used that in days gone by. Some of you use it. I would encourage you to use this as a tool there are so many, many articles cataloged on Christian Courier. They also publish works. I know that they're in the process of trying to publish an Old Testament commentary by Jared's dad, Wayne Jackson. It should be a great work. I know he has done a commentary on the New Testament, and it was a tremendous work. A lot of folks have benefited from that. And so we're glad that Jared is with us today. We're very thankful that he can be here. We're, we want to support Christian Courier in every way that we can. Jared has been a guest with me on GBN Live. I've always appreciated his Bible knowledge. He is a great student of Scripture. I've always been impressed how he thinks outside the box, and he has a very analytical mind, and so I've always been thankful to associate with him. And so at this time, I'm going to get Jared to come and preach to us this morning. Thank you again, Mike, for that introduction and your very kind words. I appreciate so much being with you all today and we've enjoyed a period of Bible study this morning and now as we worship in this worship hour we're gonna put our minds to work thinking about God's Word and and as I thought about what I'd speak on today and the emphasis of this being a great day I, uh, I had a lesson plan that I kinda put to the side and rethought about what I would say today and uh, just the more I dwelt upon it, I began thinking about what is a great day? And I thought about this. I thought about the three greatest days in your life. There's a lot of great days. There's the day, our first day of school is often a great day. The day we get married, the day we hit a home run. There's all kinds of great days that we can enjoy, but I want to talk about the three greatest days in your life. The first great day the greatest of the greatest days of your life is the day you were born. Now, we, we enjoy birthdays as children. We get the presents, we get the cake, we get the party, and uh, those are fun times, but as we get older, we kind of don't want to count the candles anymore. We, <laughs> is it your birthday? Don't talk about it. I don't want to. But let me tell you, no matter what stage, young or old, you are in life, the day you were born was a great day. From a practical point of view, from a common sense point of view, 
we asked the question asked by Shakespeare, is it better to be or not to be? That is the question. And from a biblical point of view, it's definitely better to be than not be. From a spiritual point of view, we come to realize that the day of our birth is the day we take hold of this thing we call life. Life beginning at conception, but once we come, that, that period of gestation comes to fruition and that child is born, that child enters kicking and screaming, ready to take life by the horns. And it's a great day. Uh, I thought about this. That it's a great day because not every child gets to be born. There's some that, that begin life inside the womb and they never make it out. There are miscarriages. I have a brother or sister. I, I don't know which. But I look forward to the day that I meet my sibling that I've never met. My mother had a miscarriage. And uh, I think about that from time to time. My dad has mentioned it from time to time. And the last time I heard him mention it, his tears just welled up in his eyes. Thinking about the child he never knew. But that he looks forward to meeting one day. Not all children get to be born. So the fact that we all made it is a great thing. I think about even my own children. When, when my wife was uh, expecting our first son, he came late. A couple of weeks late. And it had not it been for the, the marvels of modern medical uh, providence in our lives, our children never would have been born. My wife had a condition. Had she, had we lived in a different time, she would have been lost and so would have my son. Not every child gets to be born. And how tragic it is that we live in a country that has ended over 52 million pregnancies through the practice of elective abortion. I mean, we make Adolf Hitler look like a grade school punk. Not every child gets to be born. So how great it is that we, we got to be born and whether whether our life lasts a little while or a long while, the fact that we were born and have this chance at life is a great day. It's great because life is a gift from God, as we had in our uh, Bible reading just a moment ago. Paul would speak to those uh, people on Mars Hills, those Athenians. They had all those philosophers who had all kinds of different ideas about life and the gods and demons and all kinds of uh, idolatry. And he extolled to them the true God. 
The one that they had unnamed on one of their markers. But he told them about the true God who gives life. And breath to all. That day you were born, you took that first breath. Was the first gift God gave you. And you lived. Not only is life itself a gift, but it is a gift. The birth of a baby boy or a baby girl is unlike any other reproduction on this planet. All living things reproduce after their kind. It was the law that God created in the Garden of Eden as he was laying down the laws that would govern this universe. He made fishes and birds and creeping things and animals and all of them reproduce after their kind. But he, when he came to the glory that crowning glory of his creation, he said, let us do something different with man. Let us make man in our image, speaking among the Godhead and after our likeness. Let us put something in him that's sacred, that's holy. And so when a in the ideal arrangement of God, a family, a husband and a wife come together and they form that union that creates a life. They are participating in the creation of a spirit, an eternal spirit in the image of God. When you were born, not only were you uh, just alive and you, were, you came in this life kicking and screaming, but at that moment of conception, you began to be a living spirit and the day you were born you entered this world as an independent creature of God and you had everything that you would need to develop and mature given food given water given the nutrients of life and the nurturing of home you are where you are today and as, of, uh, as, as part of the maturation process, that spirit has come to know the difference between right and wrong and has an obligation to God Almighty to honor the spirit that he placed inside of his likeness that he put inside each one of us. So the day of our birth is truly a great, great day. I, I think about it's a great day because... Um, Jesus, too, was born. It's an interesting passage in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, where he is laying down the foundation of his argument to, to persuade those Jewish Christians who would go back under the law of Moses about the great Savior that we have. The great high priest is a major theme, serving on our behalf before the throne of God. But in the very foundation of his argument, he talks about the deity of Christ. But he's not just God, he was born. And in that passage, he's making a distinction between Christ and the angels. But note this, 
that on the day of his birth, he said, the Father commanded all the angels of heaven to worship him. Now what a great day that was. Here's a little baby. He was born and he was in all points like as we, so we, I take from that that he was a baby just like every other baby. He come out and he needed a diaper and he needed a nursing and, you know, about all he could say was goo-goo and gaga, right? And yet the father said, worship him to the angels. And he grew up, and he matured, and you know he went to the cross, and he fulfilled his mission, but in chapter 2 then it says he's not ashamed to call us brother. The fact that we were born, that we were born in the image of God, and that Christ took upon that same role means that we are brothers with Christ and let me tell you it's a great day when we recognize that we have a brother in heaven who's pleading on our behalf that's that's a great day finally the, our birthday is a great day because it's it begins a period of preparation this life is a preparation. Uh, Job, when he was looking at his life and he, all these things that were happening to him, he lost his family, lost all his children, lost his wealth. And as he was reflecting upon it, one of the things he said is this. He said, life goes by like a weaver's shuttle. Well, what's that? Well, in those old days when they used the loom, they would have that yarn on that loom and they had another piece of yarn on this shuttle. It was a wooden piece of device and they would throw it and it would go right through the loom, weaving through the other threads and then they could pull the, I don't know what that piece was called, but it, they pulled it down and made it tight. But that, that shuttle just flew through there. He says, that's what life is like. James will say, it's like a vapor. You know, you, you light a candle, you know, those cinnamon sticks, they smell nice for a while, and then you come by and you blow it out, and you see that puff of smoke in that candle, and pretty soon it's gone. James says that's what life is like. But life is a period of preparation. Isaiah would say to the children of Israel, wake up. He says, prepare to meet your God. Now, they had a problem. They, they were just ignoring God. But he says, you better prepare. Life is a period of preparation. And what do we mean by that? It's, it's just, our 80 years is just like that. When we count how long we will exist. And we've got 
four score and ten or eighty by reason of strength or less or more, a little bit more. But we've got very little time to prepare. Life is a period of preparation that starts with birth. And some of us maybe don't have a whole lot of advantage. Some of us maybe start off with a great deal of advantage, but all of us are expected to prepare for eternity. And here's the problem. We're not very good at it. Right? It doesn't take very long before we make a mistake and we stumble and sometimes we fall flat on our face and in God's view we have no way to get back up the book of Romans is interesting it, it, you know we can become Christians we can we can uh, do what we need to do, trust in God, obey Him, and we can go about our worship. And this was the Roman Christians. They, they, were faith. they had faith. They were going uh, and doing, worshiping. But Paul would write to them this book of Romans to give them a better understanding of what Christianity was all about. And the first three chapters of the book of Romans are designed to convince us that we messed up. No matter how good we think we are, and, and let's face it, we're in, the, we're in the comparison business. Right? We're always looking at somebody and thinking, well, at least I'm not that bad. And Paul will argue and, and try to persuade the, the Roman Christians to understand the fact that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You have the Gentiles, for example, who just refused to have God in their knowledge, and they ended up acting like animals. They, they exchanged the living God for an idol. And, uh, of course, when you invent your own God, you invent your own morality code, and you can do whatever you want. And that's what they did. And uh, by virtue of the fact that they rejected God, they have judged themselves. The Jews didn't do any better because they had the law. They had instruction from God about what was right and what was wrong, almost uh, in the form of a kindergarten rule book. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. And yet they couldn't keep it. And then uh, somebody says, well, then the law must not be any good. No, the law was fine. What was the problem with us, is with us. And so even those who were relatively good people, right? Oh, I know Mrs. Jones over here. If she's not... You know, she's not with us, but if, if anybody's going to heaven, she is because she's just as good as she can be. Paul says, no. Because every one of us has this conscience in us that says something is right and something is wrong. And the minute you say someone did something wrong, 
And you, you affirm this. And yet you have done the same thing. Somebody says, well, what are you talking about? Let's just take lying, for example. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise hands, right, to ask you if you've never told a lie because, you know, you tell on yourself right then. But every one of us knows how we feel when somebody lies to us. And we say, that's not right. The minute you start making that judgment, listen, God's paying attention. And you, you have condemned somebody else for lying, and God says, have you ever lied? Well, then you're lost. You have set my rules aside for a minute, and let's just go with yours. The minute you violate your own rules, okay, let's go with your rules. You've sinned. And the wages of sin is what? Death. So the second greatest day in your life, first greatest day is when we're born. Second greatest day in our life is when we realize that we've messed up. And we decide to turn our life around. Oh, what a great day that is. When we, either because we're disgusted with somebody else, somebody else can, can frustrate us and say, I don't want to live like that. Perhaps a young man has grown up and his father is a beast of a person. I have a friend, a very close friend of mine, He went in foster home after foster home uh, as a child growing up. Finally came in contact with the gospel and was saved. But he told me his father was a murderer. And he was abused. He was horribly abused. But you know, at some point in his life, he saw that there could be something different. And he made the decision, I'm not going to be that way. So sometimes we see things in other people and we say, I'm not going to be that way. But sometimes we just get disgusted with self and we look in the mirror. There was a businessman named David and, and I, I heard about this gentleman. I read about it in a book. And he had been working and very successful in business. And he was sitting out by the pool one day and he was having his cocktail. And as he looked at that drink, he thought, how much more could I have done in the last 15 years if it wasn't for this? And he set it down. And he never took another drink. Now, his health was so bad by that point that he died within about five years. But his wife said that those five years were better than the previous 15 years had ever been. In spite of all the material success, 
But he became so convinced by the mirror image that he looked at that he decided it's time to change, time to make a change. Think about those Jews who had just crucified their Lord, the Messiah, the one that they had been searching for for 1,500 years. And Peter on that day would say, you by the hands of lawless men did crucify and slay your own king. What shall we do? Peter said, turn your life around. Repent and be baptized. Some of us need to take advantage of that today. We haven't done it yet. We're getting close maybe. Or maybe we've been resisting. But until you decide to turn your life around, think about how much you're wasting. Some of us have made that mistake over and over, and hopefully we always will keep our mind focused and centered upon Christ. But you know what? We're going to get tempted. We're going to get pulled aside. And every day that you decide to turn your life back around to God is a great day. Finally, the greatest day, perhaps of all, is the day we'll never experience in this life. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now you can't see God now. Why? Because your sins have separated you from God. He can't be in your presence. There was a time when He was in our presence in the Garden of Eden before sin. He would come and commune with the, with the human family. But we have forever lost that right. But the promise is, if we are pure in heart, and we could spend some time talking about what that means, but let's just deal with the promise. The promise is that we shall see God. One of the most beautiful passages that I think is in Revelation chapter 22 when that scene is des described when the righteous come into the presence of God. And he talks about the tree of life and the river of life flowing there. And he says, and they shall look upon his face and he'll put his name on their forehead. That is, he'll put his name on you. You'll have the name of God upon you. But we'll look upon his face. One of the great songs that we sing, and a lot of times I, as a kid I was growing up, I'd hear it in cowboy movies. You know, they'd have the funeral, and uh, you'd have the people out there, and they'll be singing, Shall we gather at the river? And one of the lines in that song says, at the smiling of the river. And I never really understood as a kid what that meant. Because I'm kind of tunnel focused, right? The next line explains. Mirror image of the Savior's face. Oh, what a great day that'll be when we actually get to see God. 
we get to see Jesus. What a great day that will be. It's a day I don't want to miss out on. I love him so much, and I know you do too. But you know, there's another passage that says in Psalm 34 that his eyes are upon the righteous and his ears are straining to hear the cry of his children. But his face is turned towards the wicked. That's not the smiling of the river. That's not the face of God that you want to see. And today's the day that you can make a difference. That you can turn your life around. And what a great day that would be. It would be a great day if someone came forward. Today. And I'm not just begging you. I'm not just trying to get numbers up here or anything like that. But what a great day it would be if someone came and said, I'm turning to God. I'm turning my life around. It's not going to change a lot of things about you. It's not going to change your temptations. You're still going to struggle. It's not going to change your bank account. It's not going to change your health problems. All those things are externals, but what is going to change is something inside of you is going to change, and maybe some of those things can begin to be worked upon, but we can turn around today and work on seeing him smiling in the river. If you have a need for any, anything at all, any need at all that we can pray with you with or help you in any way, please come as we stand and sing this word of encouragement.